Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Pedro. My name is Lewis. What's up, everybody? Hey man, I know it's been a while, but it's uh, at least right now. There's, it, in my opinion, it's been a little slow in the music world. Things have kind of hit a bit of a lull, and I think it's about to bubble up now with summertime. But oh, absolutely, yeah. But people keeping their projects close to their chest. Yeah, and and you know, it, there used to be. Uh, we're digressing a little bit before we get to the meat and potatoes of this, but in my opinion, there used to be a regular season in terms of music you had your awards you had a little bit of a slowdown you had songs of the summer then you had what was the fall and then you always had big releases at the end of the year but with streaming and people throwing singles to the wall at any point you don't really have that continuity anymore right because i mean they're, they're always releasing i mean it's a because of streaming it just it's just so easy just to drop something you know once a month or every three months. That's just the way it's uh, it's kind of panned out. Yeah, and it's I think it's a hard learning curve for big artists to and labels and labels to just kind of understand what to do or how to stay somewhat relevant. I think Madonna right now is probably the best example of that. I mean, she's trying. She's doing her regular push promo, you know, interviews puts out a single traditionally but nobody really cares everybody's kind of yawned about it so i i i haven't even heard i haven't seen anything on madonna it's just difficult there's way too much going on specifically in music and because of not just podcasting and streaming and access to internet radio and all that you can get yourself in a cocoon and stay there huh Good point. And never, I mean, I I get into these modes where I listen to a certain genre, and I could do that for a couple months just because that's what I want to listen to. But I do listen to everything whenever I get a chance. But yeah, uh, and this is a good way to introduce a little bit about a couple of things we wanted to talk about today. One of them being iTunes. Uh, Rest in peace, iTunes, as it is known today yeah that's the talk of the town and we're going to talk a little bit about masterclass which i was very interested in you took that yes yes with uh particularly with timbaland i mean masterclass has they have a number i mean they cover the gamut not just music but art cooking business uh basically it's celebrities who are very popular or very successful in their specific genres um hold a master online class uh, on their particular skill. Um, and, you know, the attraction is, hey, it's who's bigger than Timbaland in, in music production? Hey, why not check, you know, let him teach me how to produce. That's kind of where it stems from. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, and I, I'm excited to hear about that as well, as I'm sure a lot of folks, because they do promote this online. And I've seen kind of the the advertisements about Masterclass, and I yeah yeah, and they do a good job of it too, and it's not that expensive, so it's uh, I think it's at a good price point, and uh, there's there's some good value. So we're gonna definitely yeah, we'll talk about that. Get into that, but recently, Apple has announced that iTunes, as you are familiar with, 
is going to be removed and replaced. And it's important to, before we go into what they're doing with iTunes, to talk about what iTunes be, has become for music. Right. You know, when they first came out, they were just a place where you can take care of whatever library you had internally and put it on your iPod or if you had a Mac, you know, any sort of Apple product. Right, right. And at one point, they did song match, right? I think if you had, you already had a catalog of music, you would upload it to your Apple iTunes account. And if they if they have it in their catalog, they would include it in your library. Yeah, so that, that was kind of yeah. the idea behind it as they worked their way towards what eventually became the music store where you could purchase yeah. a song for 99 cents. What? And <laughs> the the music industry as we know it was transformed forever. Forever, forever. And, and, and you know, when, when iTunes came out and this whole idea of being able to purchase a song from for a dollar, wherever you know, if an album came out, you wanted to just choose a song. What were your first thoughts on that? Well, I, I think the, I mean the first big obvious thing is you can get right to what you like, as opposed to having to buy a full album and having to deal with you know four or five filler records um, that you know weren't of your liking. In this kind of platform, you get to pick exactly what you want. Your library contains exactly the music that you love. So that was the best part of it for me. I thought that that was a good idea as well. One of the things that bothered me a little bit about that was you never really got a chance to discover something that you probably would have dismissed if you didn't hear it. And the best example I could give is when I was younger, I used to love going to the library and borrowing cassettes and CDs from artists that I liked or music that I what? liked. What's, what's, what's that? What's a cassette? <laughs> For those who don't know, go, go ahead and Google it. So, but <laughs> Damn, we're that old, bro, that we got to Google a cassette? Yeah, Jesus the, Christ. The library gave me seven days, and I had to listen to, <laughs> I had to, listen to a whole cassette tape. Wow. But That's crazy. What I liked about that was that I sat down and listened to the whole thing. And I discovered a lot of B-sides. I discovered, specifically at the time, there were artists like Heavy D and Mariah Carey, Fresh Prince, you know, these were folks that had a couple of hits, but I got right. to really listen to whole albums and really get into maybe some songs that were perhaps not as popular with the fans. But who, ha who has time for that today, bro? Today is today. Music moves. Life moves so fast that people are on the run. Yeah, you're right, though. I mean, I, I miss those days, too. You know, I, I miss finding gems in albums. Uh, I remember uh, Boys to Men uh, 2. Uh, I that was one of my favorite albums, and I loved all the songs that weren't hits. Um, so yeah, those those were the good days, man. Yeah, and then iTunes and Apple changed that, and gradually over time, the artists and the labels had to adjust to that because people were just choosing the songs that they wanted. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah, you go from an um, an album, you know, a label making fourteen, fifteen bucks off an album to ninety nine cents for a single. And that, big, big difference. Yeah, and then the key to that was artists had to change their game plan. Was it now they said, "Look, we're, we we don't have to pump out a whole album, but if we pump out three really good songs, we can make a ton of money." Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, but again, with something like that, is there's a lot of pressure there. 
you know, if if you put all your chips in a basket and you say, look, these three songs got to be hits and they don't, what happens then? Right, exactly. I mean, there was a whole science to filler, uh, making filler songs for albums, uh, believe it or not. You know, there that was part of the uh, the plan when you when you create an album you know you you figured you're gonna have two or three hits off of uh you know a 12 song album and that was okay you know the, the label was okay with that but you're right i mean now it's you gotta do hits you gotta make hits yeah and, and albums gave you an opportunity to do things that you might not get permission to from a label because you already had your hits so exactly you can experiment a little bit maybe try something different if you're in a group you have somebody that's maybe not the super hit maker write a song or create something that perhaps you know everybody every group has a ringo you know you, you want to put <laughs> you want to let you want yeah. you want to let ringo <laughs> shine but you know that's how it went now as time progressed streaming started to become a bigger deal and then other platforms of media became a big deal podcasting Netflix in the in the media world where it comes to movies and television. Right, right. Apple wants a piece of that pie, so they didn't want to fall too behind. Of and course, iTunes right. was kind of like a, a smorgasbord. Yeah, it was too much. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get your movies. You can get your music. You can get your your videos. All kind of stuff. Yeah, it just got a little out of control. And for Apple, it's very there. You know what I like about Apple is that they're really good about making sure that everything is precise, clean. And iTunes wasn't that. So they tore it apart, blew it up, and split it into three separate apps. One, which is Apple Music, where you can get your right. streaming and still purchase music. The podcast, which is excellent, because now you can listen to the podcast that you want and go even deeper in terms of the topics that you want, because they can go right. further. And then you have, which is what will be the future, in my opinion, of what is uh, streaming which in, in terms of media. So they have their Apple TV app, which they're going to really concentrate on not just streaming regular television, but their own their own works that they're going to create themselves, Apple. So. Yeah, kind of like Netflix. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, that's basically it. So, and YouTube, by the way. YouTube is, um, I mean, they're, they're kind of leading the charge in that as well. Yeah, so basically the main point of what I wanted to bring out in terms of iTunes is it's not over. It's not gone. It's just repurposed, basically. iTunes yeah. was... is. It was a place where you got everything, and they just kind of split it up a little bit, and then that, that that's good. Yeah, makes perfect sense. That's good. I mean, I, Apple also knows that right now streaming is the future. Purchasing is just not happening in the way that it used to be, and they they know that they needed to kind of concentrate on that angle. Yeah, of course. You know, they're they're leaders in the field, man. They they know what they're doing. I think they're they're going to set some standards and. Everyone else is going to follow. That's just the way Apple is. Yeah, and, you know, we... I also want to touch up a little bit before we get to Masterclass. Napster was created, uh, what was it, 10 years ago? Uh, yeah, they just had their anniversary. So, well, <laughs> rest in peace, Napster. Napster is long gone, but that changed what digital music was for, Bro, forever. That, hell yeah. That, that was the catalyst. That's what broke the camel's back. That's what set the balls in motion. Napster came in and just kind of revolutionized music and how you consume it, how you get to it. You know, I mean, of course, when we all familiar with their, you know, their their platform, it was basically a share, uh, a peer sharing site. 
Um, so folks who had their collection of music can share uh, their music with others who were on the site and vice versa. And thus, of course, came the whole, you know, copyright infringement, which is what kind of threw the wrench um, in the music business. So, uh, you know, they were quickly uh, tackled and, and, and put to rest. <laughs> yeah, I think the as Napster became bigger, the issue was folks who had music coming out was being a you know, be would become available on this right. site and you would get it for free. And that that was kind of the problem. I think that the peer-to-peer piece, kind of similar like if you had a friend who had a tape of something that you liked or a mixtape or an album. Right. Hey, make me a copy, right. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of that idea. But then when you take it to the internet level where you have complete strangers, that's where it, it kind of got a little out of hand. I really liked the Napster idea because I met some good friends and I got to hang around people who had specific interest in music that I wasn't able to find. In oh, you words, know what? I forgot about that. I mean, that so there was a social media piece to that? Yeah, there was, you know, when I was on Napster or when I was going, uh, when I was online on forums, Napster was the way to say, hey, I like this song. It's on a record. It's on vinyl. I want that song. Can you just? Can I get a copy of it? They'd be like, "Yeah, I'll put it on Napster. We'll share it privately." And I did a lot of that. Mm, okay, gotcha. And I made a lot of friends because there would be songs that were very difficult to find, specifically dance music genre, where it would be like these test presses and things. And you know, the physical copy is important. But I wanted to hear the song. I just wanted to hear it on my CD. Yeah. So on a CD. Yeah. So uh, that that aspect of Napster was important. And I think it kind of helped that piece. But again, when you have people like Metallica and all these other, yeah, I mean, they made a big deal. Yeah, I remember they, that. They yeah. managed to really well. And obviously, once the once the record labels got a wind of what was going on, and we're talking about the late '90s, early 2000s, when. I think that's probably the peak of what was album sales in terms of CDs. I mean, folks selling a million copies in a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that was that was a big thing. So they, they were afraid. And instead of record labels kind of embracing it, they fought it to the tooth and nail. But and in the end, Apple, I think, was the one that had the right idea. They went to the labels first. Right. They negotiated. Exactly. Right. Uh, to the point right now that they're really getting a huge chunk of the pie to the point where actually the Supreme Court eventually will decide if they have some sort of monopoly on apps. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yep, I heard about that. I mean, I mean, not only that, but related to that is, I mean, the issue is kind of still around, right? So I, I know YouTube is dealing with it right now. They're they're trying to shut down um, aggregators that uh, convert YouTube videos to MP3s. Um, so that YouTube has become a big source for music, um, especially. So, you know, so that's, you know, it's it's an issue that's still, look, technology is yeah. technology. And folks are always going to find a way, unfortunately, to, you know, to, to share music still or or rip music, you know, from places they don't need to rip it from and, and, and provide it for free. It's just a difficult game. And that's just the, the world we live in as artists, as a record label is just something we uh we need to just continuously kind of figure out. Yeah, when it comes to piracy, it's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. You know, you knock out one source, you're going to find another one. And right. instead of fighting it, you need to figure out what is what is driving this. 
Why are people <laughs> ripping this? Is it because they don't have access to being able to stream? They can't afford it or they just like that particular version. What do you need to do to make this happen? So, right. There's that's how I feel about that. You know, it's it's that makes perfect sense. You know, it's it's not just about stopping what's happening, but figuring out the why. And right now, YouTube is kind of the Napster of perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and everybody's embracing it. I mean, for me, as long as the artists themselves are giving permission or their their label are the ones putting the music up there, yeah, it's going to be hard to have them people ripping off the songs, but. At the same time, that's a lot of work, and I think streaming kind of undercuts some of that. So, <laughs> first of all, you need a lot of space. You, you're still going to put yourself out there to get some malware or some virus on your computer when you're using these things. So, you right. still have to be careful. Uh, but, uh, yeah, right now, piracy is up uh, incredibly high because of these sites, the aggregators that are being able to kind of rip that music out of uh, streaming sites, specifically YouTube. So right. uh, just got to be careful with that. Uh, now I'm, now I'm, I want to know about this masterclass, man. First of all, uh, Timberland is is awesome. I really enjoy. Awesome indeed. It's his production work from the time that he's worked with uh, Leah till till today. Although right now he's I don't know what he's up to lately, but well, he's doing a lot of work for. I know he was doing soundtrack work for. Uh, the TV show Empire. Right, he was. Yeah, yeah. he was exec. Yeah, he was ex- executive producing that for a little while. But you know, Masterclass has become his uh, his most recent gig. But you know, he's always doing production on the back end. But yeah, he hasn't been in in the forefront for a little bit. Yeah, and tell us about Masterclass. So this specific Masterclass uh, program was about production. Timberland was the. The teacher in this case. Right, correct. I'll go back a step. So masterclass.com, basically they tout themselves as online classes taught by the world's greatest minds, right? So there's Jody Foster, for example, teaches um, acting and you can get classes on violin by Isaac Perlman, who's a renowned violinist. Uh, You can get music production classes by the one and only Timbaland. Chef Gordon Ramsay offers a course on cooking. Who better to go over cooking than Gordon Ramsay? Penn and Teller, if you want to learn about uh, magic. So you want to learn from the absolute best? This is the place to go to hear them talk about their skills and share that with you. So you can access all types of different arts and get classes on that. I was driven particularly to the music production piece where Timbaland, you know, talks about music production, how he produces records. He, uh, he kind of walks you through the process from the beginning uh, of creating the idea for a song all the way to the final production um, and what you eventually hear on the radio. Cool thing is he, during the class, he walks you through some of his biggest records, particularly stuff he's did with Missy or with Jay-Z. Dirt Off My Shoulder is a good example. So he kind of takes you inside to those particular songs, how he came up with the idea. He breaks down the production, you know, this is how I came up with this sound, and then I added this, and then this is what it came out to be, and this is what Jay-Z did, and, and this is how Missy worked. So it's really cool to get a good insight. So the thing about Timberland's class, and I don't want to give too much because you know I want folks to, you know, to check it out for themselves. If you're looking for a technical how to, you know, how to use a particular plugin or a particular piece of software 
or a particular keyboard, you're not going to get that from this session with Timberland. Timberland, this session is more about feeling. It's more about um, the passion for music, what drives you, inspiration, how do you come up with ideas. Uh, so it's really, when you're finished watching his masterclass, you come away feeling inspired. You've come away feeling, I can do this. You know, if Timberland can do what he did and he shows me how what steps he took, I can do that. So you're not really going to walk away with any technical knowledge, but you're going to walk away with a lot of inspiration and a lot of good feeling that that you can you can approach a production like like Timberland has. So very cool. I definitely suggest any uh, aspiring producer, um, someone who who's just curious about music production. Maybe you're a big fan of Timbaland. You know, this is a good class for you to check out. And just to give a sense of what the cost is, right? Because obviously, you know, he's like, oh, how much does this cost? You can subscribe for the year and have access to all classes for $180 for the year. So you you pay that, you'll have access to every person who's offered a class on this website. If you are interested in just a particular class, then it's 90 bucks a pop. So now if you think about it, if you're spending 90 bucks a pop, that's what two classes and you right there, you've already paid the annual. So it may be worth doing the annual if, if you have some interest in this. So I definitely think it's cool. Uh, yeah. And I like the idea of being able to have a particular person who's an expert in their field, per se, just telling you what their thoughts are and what, how they see things and how they get inspired because you'll probably find a lot of similarities with what you're trying to do. Oh, absolutely. Look, there's a class offered by Spike Lee on filmmaking. There's a class offered by Carlos Santana on guitar. I mean, come on, you can't. These these are experts in their field, you know, and you definitely want to hear what they got to say. Yeah, and, and I like, I'm going to do more research into Masterclass and kind of how that came about, but I really like that idea because it's also kind of private, right? You know, you can be in the comfort of your own home and kind of check this out without feeling like you're inundated by maybe a class or a bunch of people. And I like that, and being comfortable in your own space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's some perks that they include, you know, guides that you can download, PDFs, uh, you know, along with the class. So it's not just you sitting watching videos. Um, but they engage you in a way where it feels like a class and you have homework and you're learning a couple of things and you can apply them. So it's, uh, it's really cool. So, you know, I'm definitely going to check out a couple of more episodes that have my, that piqued my interest. Uh, but I just thought it would be, it would be cool to talk about, you know, of course, you know, like you said, it's been pretty popular on social media. I've seen a couple of ads on, on Facebook. Uh, so, uh, you know, definitely, uh, worth checking out. Now, in terms of this particular masterclass with, with Timberland, what was what was something that you got out of this that you said, hmm, I, I didn't know that Timberland felt that way or something that inspired you that he said that kind of clicked for you? Yeah, I think um, one of the things for me was uh, how he approaches music. He's very passionate. You can just tell that he loves music. Um, but one of the things that I took away from it is how he approaches starting an idea. Um so, you know, for most songwriters or, or producers, you know, you you have something in your mind. You have a beat. You have a melody. Um, you have some kind of rhythm. Um, and what he teaches is, that, and he's very known for this, is that to use your mouth, use, use your vocal capability to, to, 
to kind of lay that out. So if you have a drum pattern, you know, that's a drum pattern. You know, if, if you do it with your mouth, record it, and, you know, and just keep adding vocally, um, creating your beat vocally, because then you can take that idea and then go into the actual, you know, go into your studio and then duplicate that, you know, go into a drum machine and duplicate the drums you just did with your mouth or the piano chords or the, the melody you just hummed. Um, so that, you know, that's a really creative way. Um, and it's a tool that we all have, right? For all musicians who are producers or songwriters, we have that in us. That's part of who we are, our DNA. Um, just those music ideas kind of flow. And what better way to capture that than just capture it with your mouth. Just just record those ideas and then you can take that and then take it to the real production world. Um, so that's one of the things I'm trying to do now as I as I produce music um, to use that that element. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think for those who uh, perhaps aren't in, uh, musically inclined but are probably working on a particular project or in this case podcasting or whatever, if you have an idea... Uh, vocalize it. I sometimes like to just talk to somebody, like just real quick about an idea that I mm-hmm. have in my head and just see kind of their reaction to it. And I'm okay, this is a topic that I think people would be into. You know, so yeah. uh, it's it's a good point from Timberland's perspective and, and just any perspective, maybe vocalizing your idea instead of keeping it in your head because sometimes in your head it's a little different, right? But when you right, put it out exactly. there... In this case, vocalizing it and then putting it into a machine that'll kind of give you what you want production-wise is is an excellent thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then keep this in mind, too. You know, as the way we are, we operate as humans. Um, you know, there there's a creative side to us and there's an analytical side to us, right? So the creative side is, you know, if you vocalize... Um, or you are just, you know, you're in that zone where you're, you're spilling out all your ideas. Um, you know, you're using one per- part of your brain to do that. Um, analytical is more you're reading something, you're creating it on the keyboard. You know, those are two different mindsets. Um, so you want to make sure that, you know, you want to keep those separate. Um, your creative time needs to be your creative time where you're most fluid, you're most free. And analytical is when you are doing the technical stuff. Um, and you kind of never want to do both of them at the same time because then you're kind of, you know, taken away from your creativity. So there's just a quick tip I wanted to throw out there that I kind of inspired me from watching this uh, masterclass. Excellent stuff. So for those who are listening and are looking to get yourself inspired, this is a good tip to, you know, remember, separate it. And make sure that you have your creative time. And then after, and a lot of artists do that. I have some good friends mm-hmm. who are artists. And what they do is one of them uh, likes to, they call it the cocoon. And they just work on creativity, writing, right. beats, whatever, melodies. Exactly. They'll do that for a little while. And then eventually they'll work with producers and people who can kind of put that work, that creative aspect into a work of art. So absolutely wonderful stuff. This was we got we gave you a ton but we want to make sure that you absorb it all remember itunes is not completely dead it's just (laughs) they just split themselves up uh and for those who use android uh i'm sorry but uh, (laughs) no you guys will be just fine but uh, and of course masterclass not just about music all kinds of topics that if you have any sort of interest and you said it's pretty good on the price range so mm-hmm. very, yeah, reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. www.masterclass.com. So I recommend it. I am going to probably check it out myself because there's lots of things that I'm sure 
I would find very interesting. And I already saw a couple of the advertisements. There were some pretty interesting people on there that I was like, oh, this yeah. sounds good. So now that I have a little bit more knowledge about that, I'll be interested. Good deal. Don't forget, check us out www.musicallyspeakingpodcast.com and review, share, and subscribe. Catch you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to Musically Speaking with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro. Be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com for show notes, past episodes, and our blog. Please subscribe, like, or share with a friend. Till next time.